Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I could try to just like aim higher and if nothing happens, like what's the worst case scenario? Like you just stay at your base state, which is the current state, which is already fine. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hello, everybody. I'm Ulvia Jaffarle, a data scientist in Italy. Although I'm living in Rome, originally I am from Azerbaijan. While thinking about how long it took for me to be a tech woman in the technology world, I felt the responsibility and desire to help other women as much as I can. Therefore, I developed the TechDevop platform to support others who want to achieve in technology. Because I believe women have ability to do great things. For us, sharing, helping, developing as one is the most important value. What I would like to emphasize is just do not afraid to fail. Do not limit yourself with little success. Think bigger, learn, fail, repeat, experience, and reach the inaccessible. No matter how hard the challenge is, go for it. If not now, then when? To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. This next personal spot is actually more of a warning. There's been this agency called Oscar Hamilton who's been spamming all of our guests. They scraped podcasts and have been contacting our guests. I don't know them. They don't have consent from me, suggesting they have some sort of collaboration when really they're just trying to get thousands of dollars out of you. So I had to do this. I posted on my socials too. I want my guests to know this has nothing to do with us. Don't know these people. They've literally just scraped the internet for a bunch of contacts and now are suggesting they have a collaboration and that they listen to the podcast episode when they really just mass message hundreds of people. And it's a huge shame and really disrespectful to the work that we do when it's all about championing others and genuinely celebrating people. So I had to create this warning. I felt there was no other choice because how am I supposed to let everybody know? Please, please disregard any emails from some agency called Oscar Hamilton. All right. Well, with that, please enjoy and celebrate the next guest on the next episode. Bye. Welcome back to the 
Women in Tech podcast celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest from Toronto, Canada. Welcome, Alishba. Am I saying your name right? I always get so nervous. Yeah. Yeah, it's Alishba. <laughs> I told you I would turn on the energy as soon as we started recording. Go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I'm currently 17 years old, and I'm really passionate about using technology to solve different problems in the world. So about two to three years ago, I got really interested in blockchain, and I realized that a huge problem within developing countries today is counterfeit medication, where nearly 30 to 40% of medication in developing countries today is counterfeit. And the main reason is because of supply chain tracking. Today, there's no way to track where these products are actually coming from, who's distributing them. And so after going really deep into blockchain and and kind of learning the development, I built this platform to allow us to track medication uh, in developing countries to catch counterfeit medication. And I ended up working with IBM Blockchain on that project. And so they're currently working on integrating that into some of the work they're doing in supply chain. So I've done some other work in blockchain as well. Uh, a few summers ago, I was interning with some of the banks in Canada, so TD Bank and CIBC. And there I was looking at different blockchain ways uh, and frameworks that we can use to connect with third parties and validate client data. And through that, I also started to get into machine learning, which is what my focus is right now. And so right now I'm actually working with Hanson Robotics, who are the creators of Sophia the Robot. And I'm working on new research and approaches for their upcoming platform to basically increase precision in a robotic arm. And I'm also working on a side product and early kind of stage product where we're working with manufacturers and energy storage, basically looking at ways we can accelerate the process of testing energy storage devices like batteries and supercapacitor cells. So that's just like a very quick overview of some of the projects that I've done uh, over the past few years. So essentially, you are our future. Our future is in your hands. Yeah, I think it's it's really exciting because I think traditionally, there's always been kind of a stigma around when you can get started on doing these things. And, you know, it's usually like go to university, get a traditional job, and then you start working on these projects. But I think after, you know, doing different programs and meeting a lot of different people, I just changed that mindset. And I realized like, regardless of your age, you can really get started if you have a passion in something. And so I've just been going really deep into these areas and trying to see where I can make my impact. Talk to us about how you got started, because not only is it about you falling in love in technology and the tech world having an impact on you, but now you're impacting all of us. So tell us about the moments in your life that led to this massive interest you have now. Yeah, so I think from a young age, I was definitely always really interested in just solving problems. Like it wasn't necessarily tech, but it was just like, I always had questions about things. Like if I saw the way something worked, I would always ask like, why does it work that way? And I think that like curiosity really led into just like questioning everything around me all the time. And through that process, I just fell in love with the ability to like pick apart things and like put them back together or even just like, understanding a problem and like being able to break that down and then coming up with, you know, a first principles approach to solving that problem. And so that process for me has been really interesting. And I think through that, I, I just kind of got interested in robotics. That was kind of my initial start into, I guess, what you would call STEM. 
but I joined like the robotics team at my, at my middle school. And I just realized like, I really enjoyed just building things, even though it wasn't really anything super impactful. I just enjoyed that a lot. And so through that, I actually got introduced to another program called TKS or the Knowledge Society, um, which is essentially like a human accelerator program, but for really ambitious teens that want to like superpower their growth. And so through that program, I've been learning about different mindsets, philosophies, learning about like different technologies like AI, blockchain, quantum computing, and ways to really get started in them. So I think that program really changed the trajectory for me, not only, you know, getting started in tech and actually building my technical skills, but I think more so the mindset side of things, which we don't really talk a lot about is how do you build that mindset to really get started and have confidence when you are building things, especially at a young age. You've been involved in so many different programs like IBM. What are some of the resources that you've accessed to help you become more immersed into the tech culture? There's a lot of resources and especially at the beginning, like I've been just self-teaching everything to myself. Like these are not things you're really taught in high school at all. But I think for me, like a lot of it was just doing like courses online. Um, But also I think the biggest piece, like you said, was finding the right communities and the people that would help you kind of get there or help you throughout the process. And so for me, definitely that was, you know, TKS. There's a lot of really awesome students there that are just as ambition, like working in, you know, labs, doing cellular agriculture, creating meat without cows or working in quantum computing at companies like Rigetti, like it's crazy stuff that they're doing. And I think just seeing, seeing people around you that are just as motivated helps a lot. And so for me, I think the biggest turning point was just being in that community and realizing like people my age are doing these things and I can actually get started as well. I asked this to all of our guests, and I'm really interested in hearing your answer that you're starting off earlier in your journey right now. What is one huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? There's been a lot of just like definitely micro learning moments. And I think one of the things is definitely like I've just developed like a growth mindset to everything. Like even if something is traditionally considered an obstacle to me, that's like, okay, I'm just learning and growing. Like even if you try something and you fail, it's like, you're going to learn a lot from that experience. And I think that mindset has really helped me throughout the years. It's just like, I could try to just like aim higher. And if nothing happens, like what's the worst case scenario? Like you just stay at your base state, which is the current state, which is already fine. And so I think that's just like my perspective on obstacles. But I think one of the biggest things was definitely probably just like being young and like being confident in myself and my ability to actually do things. That's more of like an internal thing. But I think that was huge because like when you are getting started, it can be hard because you don't have necessarily like a PhD or master's and you might not know all of the technical knowledge. But I think for me, it was more about taking things one step at a time and realizing like I can actually build those skills. So whether that's like reading a research paper, like I remember the first research paper I was reading, I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, there's so many technical terms. And I think I knew like, maybe less than half of what they were trying to say. And I had to Google everything. But as I read like more and more research papers now, like I can easily just like skim through one and kind of get all of the key information. And so I think it was definitely more around consistency, but also realizing that, like, these are really like obstacles and failures are are part of what you're going to do. And it's okay to have that. And 
just flip that mindset and be like, okay, I'm going to just take the risk. And so that's one thing I love. Like I love taking risks. Like, like I'm trying to just build more of a risk appetite. Like if I feel uncomfortable doing something, I'm like, I'm just going to do it. Like that's just going to help me more. You shared so many cool things. One, risk appetite. That's awesome. Did you create that or did you hear that somewhere? I don't think I've created that. I'm not going to claim it, but I think, yeah, I mean, to me, like risk appetite is more just like, how do you become like open to taking risks? Like, I think generally perceived risk is like higher than actual risk. Like in your head, it's like, if I do this, it's it's going to be worse than it actually ends up being. And if you just go with that mindset of like, okay, I'm thinking of this thing this way. But if you just take it back a step, you're like, it's actually not as big of a risk as I'm thinking. I think if you just second guess, like everything you do, it helps a lot. So for me, like that was definitely like a huge thing or even just like thing that I, I think I live by a lot. Okay. And you also said something that I thought was really important for all of us. I forgot the words used, but I really liked those too. It was something like gross base or it was some, essentially you said you have a base and you could go for growth, but like your base is good as it is. What was the term you used to describe that? I think it's just like your, like, I just kind of consider it as like a base state. So like, how do you recommend we get, and how did you get to a base state you're actually content with and everything else is just levels up, but like your base state on its own is cool. How did you get there? And how would you recommend we do the work to get there as well in our own lives? Yeah, I think like for me, it was, it was just realizing that I think a lot of people like tend to, at least like most people that I've talked to, I think your mindset is very much like 80% of the time you're thinking about the future versus like actually living in the present. And I think that's that's also something that I do where it's just like I'm I'm thinking about the future and like what I want to do next versus like what is going on in this moment. And so that for me was was a huge thing, just like spending less time thinking about the future, but still being open to to planning the future. So I think like for me, it's more of like ambiguity. If you are thinking about the future, there's going to be a lot of ambiguity. And I think you have to be okay with that. And it's okay to like want things and have goals and actually reach for those goals. But I think if you always have that mindset of thinking about the future, I think you're less likely to live in the current state that you're in and actually be happy with it. I think for me, that was the first thing was like to stop thinking so much about things that haven't happened because the reality is, is like, this is the moment that exists, right? Like this is the only moment that actually exists right now. Like me talking to you, it's like the future hasn't even happened. It's just like something that might happen, something that we have no idea about. And so for me, that was like a, a huge shift in just like my thinking. And then I think the other thing that probably a lot of people can relate to is just like comparing yourself to other people a lot. I think often we do that. It's just like that person has, you know, this X metric of success. Like I want that as well. And I used to do that a lot where like, it was like a comparison of like me and and the other person. But I think it's less of me comparing myself to other people and more of just like me comparing myself to who I was like two years ago. Right. And if you just reflect on that, it's like, yes, I've grown a lot. And like, if that's the way that you live, you want to grow and you want to learn a lot, then I think you're always happy, right? Like you're always growing. You're always learning as long as you're, you're constantly trying to achieve that. And how did you gain this confidence? Is it through your family or did you find this confidence on your own? 
it's like confidence is not something that you develop overnight, right? I think it's like similar to the way people speak about passions where it's like, I want to find my passion, but it's not like your passion is right there and and you're just going to wake up one morning and feel like that's my passion. It's something you have to develop, right? It's like, it's like a friend where you have to like develop a relationship over time. And so for me, like confidence was something I, I spent a lot of time on is like, like one thing that helped me a lot was public speaking. And this is something I recommend to a lot of people is like, put yourself out there and just like do public speaking. Cause I think you're just like making yourself open for failure. And because of that, like you just gain more confidence in yourself because you're open to hearing other people's perspectives and you know what that's like. And so for me, that was a huge thing where before, like I remember I, I was like, kind of scared of public speaking. It was something that I wouldn't actively be like, I want to go speak here. Though recently I've been like speaking at a lot of conferences and like just speaking on a lot of stages where like it's very open to people's opinions and feedback, but also just being there and speaking about your work just makes you feel a lot more confident in yourself. And so I think like building that relationship with yourself is really important at first. But one way I think you can do that is through public speaking and being more open to putting yourself out there. On the topic of public speaking, I like to ask everybody, have you been on a podcast before? Yeah, I have. Yeah. (laughs) I know you've been a listener of the podcast, so you may know I like to ask that question all the time. I like to show where different levels are. Also, before we start to wrap up, where can people connect with you? I have Twitter. I have Instagram. I have LinkedIn. So my Twitter handle is A-L-I-S-H-B-A-I-M-R-A-N underscore. So that's my Twitter and my Instagram. And then my LinkedIn is just my name. So Alishba Imran. But yeah, I'd say those are the best ways to reach me. Awesome. Before we start to wrap up totally, I really want to leave this on a note where somebody who wants to follow in your footsteps, I mean, the, the programs you've been involved with are outstanding and what you're doing is outstanding. Someone who's new to tech, let's say they're 15, 16, I don't know, somewhere around there, right? What should they be looking for to get involved like you have? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to just spend a lot of time exploring. And this is something that I reflect on a lot. And I think, you know, from a young age, it might be more of like the role that your parents play in like letting you explore a lot of things. I know a lot of my friends are you know, their parents have like a vision for them and what they should be doing. But I think even just like taking it back, like when you're young, like just spend a lot of time doing a lot of things. Like I remember when I was young, like I tried a little bit of everything. Like I I remember doing karate, like I did art. I still do art, but I I was like really into art. And then that led into tech. And then I, I tried like a lot of different things. And I think through those experiences, you really figure out what you don't like. And I think that is more important than knowing what you do like, because through that like process of almost elimination, like you really do figure out what you're most interested in. And so that's why I recommend like just spend time doing a lot of things because you are young and you have, you know, the time to do that. So that'd be my first advice. And I think second advice is if you are interested in something and you're just like afraid or scared of getting started, I think the best thing to do is just like try it out. And again, worst case scenario is like you try it out, you don't like it, you're back at current state, like I like I keep saying, right? And and so I think just try it out. And then if you do like something, but you're not sure where to go, I think the best thing to do is like, definitely reach out to people. And I think cold reaching is like something very hard, but something that I've been practicing a lot is just like reaching out to people. Because I think 
people are more open to talking to you and helping you than you think. And when you start to talk to people, you start to develop more confidence and you also learn a lot from people. So if you are interested in a topic, like spend time, even just cold emailing someone being like, hey, I'm learning this topic, but I don't know where to find resources. What do you recommend? Right. And I think people are more than happy to, to guide you. So and the worst thing that can happen is they don't respond to the email. Yeah. And it's like, you just, you just move on. Like you just keep going. So, and how about there's so many people listening right now that feel like, yeah, you could say that, but you've been involved in this and you know that, and people want to talk to you. Who am I? This is not what I think of others, but I hear people talk about themselves in that way. So everyone thinking right now, who am I to email someone? I'm not important enough. I haven't done enough. What would your advice be to them so that they have the courage to send that email? I think like, it doesn't matter. Like, I think everyone starts somewhere, right? And I think, especially if you're young, like people are just more receptive to replying to you because they view it as more of like, I'm just being a helpful person. And you'll find most people are actually nice and they will respond. So I think the best thing is like, you should just do it. Like, there's no way to overthink this. I think just like send that email. If you're interested in starting a course, like get started on that course and then see what happens. Right. And I think, yeah, like worst case is you, you don't get a reply and you just move on. That doesn't really change much. Like you spent five minutes out of your day writing an email. And so it doesn't change too much. And so I think in retrospect, the possible like benefits and like positives that you could get out of it are so much more than the negatives, like they totally outweigh it. So just think of it that way and just like do it. And what is your favorite app, software, website? What is your go-to that you just can't live without? (laughs) I think this is like a very probably basic answer, but I'd say Notion. I think it's like, there's a lot of other apps right now, like Rome. I don't know if you use Rome Research. I haven't gone into Rome Research, but I've heard a lot of really good things about it. But I'm still a Notion person, so... Yeah, I love using Notion for just like organizing. It's just like an all-in-one. So like I literally just have everything on there. So yeah. For everyone who doesn't know Notion, why should they check it out? Why is it just 100% must? So it's basically like a note-taking app. It has a lot of like other features. And I think because of like a lot of it is very integrated into Notion. I also just like the the way that the features are organized. Like I like the toggle feature where you can like have text, but you can hide it and and open it and expand it. So I think it just helps create like a very clean and organized document rather than like if you use Google Docs, like everything's just kind of there and might not be as organized. So you can like just organize things really well. There's obviously other features like there's as you get more and more into it, you can add other features like there's backlinking and stuff like that. But I think just generally it's a good kind of framework to organize documents and kind of connect them together. And for those of you who don't know Rome Research, their intent is kind of like to understand where your ideas were seeded from and be able to, it's hard to explain, to branch out all your ideas. So let's say you use the word book in a bunch of different notes. You could click on the word book and it's going to show you all the notes that have the word book in it, essentially. Pretty terrible description. but <laughs> And what would you say is the best piece of advice that you've gotten? Yeah, I think like the best piece of advice is more of just kind of an article that I read, but I talked about the idea of compounding, which I really liked. And so basically the idea is pretty simple. It's like you spend time like growing 1% each day. And then if you're growing 1% each day, like if you look back on that in a year, like you've just compounded in your growth. 
And I really like that. There's obviously positive ways in which you can compound if you do consistent, like if you have consistent habits, you can positively compound, but there's also like negative compounding that can happen. And so I think that concept is really interesting because it just makes you realize like how much everyday habits matter. Because I think when you're living your day-to-day life, you're so zoomed into like that specific day and that thing that you're doing that you don't realize like overall, like the habit you do each day does matter. And if you're not consistent with what you're doing, like that will have a negative impact. And so for me, that was just a huge like mindset shift where I was like, okay, this like little things you do in a day can compound and have a huge impact. And that's why like consistency is so important. Like if you're doing something, being consistent with it rather than just doing it once or twice a year is is so much greater in terms of, you know, whether you're learning something or you're trying to accomplish some sort of goal. So for me, like I say that the idea of like compounding and growth is probably like the best advice in terms of me just like reflecting on my day and like being like, okay, how do I even just spend my time? And is this like how I want to be spending my time? It reminds me of the author James Clear with the book Atomic Habits, that 1% is a huge deal. Even I just got back into working out and I'm in that phase of working out where I, I don't like it and I feel like I'll never be fit again. And I'm just like, Esprit, just be consistent. Don't worry about it. Just show up every day. You'll be fine. So uh, yeah, what's your book that is really special to you? Yeah, I think I really like Thinking Fast and Slow. That's a, it's a good book that I recommend. Um, Like it just has some really good frameworks in terms of how people like different ways of of thinking and like different mental models and different frameworks of thinking and kind of organizing your thoughts for different decisions that you're making. And then I also like Sapiens. I don't know if people have read Sapiens, but it's kind of like a, a good book that I always recommend. It has like really good philosophy and like, I love philosophy because I like to, to learn about kind of just like how humans have evolved. I think there's so much to learn from history and past events. And even just like the way that our society formed and like the roles that people played in society and how that's led to the world that we are in today. I think there's so many good key takeaways you can extrapolate from that. So I definitely recommend that. What is the main brief on Sapien? Oh, there's a lot. Because it's basically summarizes like the entire human evolution It talks about like agriculture revolution, industrial revolution. So it goes into, I think just overall, it talks a lot about like just people's roles in society and how that kind of transformed over time. So like if you think about even like agriculture revolution, like before we used to hunt and eat, but then we developed tools and we started to to have like more opportunity to eat and like more variety of things that we could eat. And so over time, it also just kind of leads to this point of like the goal of human evolution is really just like survival. But I think it survival has led into something more today, which is like, how do we create a more efficient world? And that's why we, you know, created tools and and that's why we had the industrial revolution. And I think over time, really all these changes and events have just made us at least more efficient than we were before. And so I think that also is interesting how that happens over time. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. This has been awesome to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world. Remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight there. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. 
Hey, this is Alishba Imran. I'm a machine learning and blockchain developer currently working at Hanson Robotics, which is a company doing research in AI and robotics to build humanoids. And I'm based out of Toronto, Canada, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.